The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Hello there. And Joanne Mercier. Hi, Joanne. Hello, hello. So uh, this week, we have some uh, very interesting topics. I'm glad I have this particular panel together. I don't think you two have been on together before. Uh, it didn't have it in my notes that you have, but maybe. You well, have. we've been on. Let's talk. I think. I think so. Together. I think. Yes. I think so. Somewhere in the uh, the the SQPN Star Quest family of shows, you've been on together. But I'm glad I have both of you here for this show today because we have a couple of uh, topics that are right in your wheelhouse, and so uh, that's good. The first topic we have is came from a reader request. I'm sorry, a listener request. I'm, I'm you can tell how I'm old school media. A listener request uh, who sent in this. This she says, uh, my mom is old enough that she never used a computer or tablet. If you have an older parent living with you now, what's useful in the, in the terms of technology? But security system, uh, camera in the in the parents' bedroom to monitor them. Those uh, life alert pendants. You know, so we'll talk, we're going to talk about some of the different technologies that are available uh, that uh, we might want to get for elderly parents or senior parents, uh, whether they're living with us or uh, even more so, maybe if they're not, if they're living on their own, and uh, we want to keep in touch with them or, or you know make sure that they're safe and that they're taken care of on a regular basis. Now, uh, Pat, you work with seniors on a regular basis in your work through as mama nerd, right? That's, that's your, that's right. A lot of my clients are over 70. All right. And so you, you have a good handle on this and Joanne, you've, you've said that this is an area of interest to you as well. I've advocated this a lot because I have friends who are a little bit older than me who have been afraid to use technology. So okay. I'm always saying, you know, does this work for older people and be considerate of older people? So and now that I'm an older person myself, <laughs> I yeah. have to think about it <laughs> a right, little bit right. more. So let's let's consider this in two areas. The first area is more like a, uh, from safety perspective. And the other area is just general technology use. Uh, so from a safety perspective, a lot of people, uh, especially if you're you know old enough to remember the uh, the life alert pendant, you know, I've fallen and I can't get up. Remember those old commercials? And, you know, the, oh, poor granny's on the ground. And if she has the life alert around her neck, she can press the button and they'll come and get her. Uh, so there's basically two major ones out there, the the Philips Lifeline and the, the classic life alert. Uh, do either of you have any knowledge or experience with either of these? I've had certain clients that have had the life alert thing and other than forgetting to put them back on when they got out of the shower <laughs> or uh, having them on a bed stand when they didn't have it around their neck, a couple of them have actually said it helped them. They have you know. had to use it? Yeah, they've had to use oh, it. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. And Joanne, you have any knowledge of these? Yeah. My mom had the um, the lifeline and my cousin had it for a couple of months. My mother had it longer. My mother had a habit of putting it in her pocket instead uh -huh. of wearing it or leaving it in the other room. You know, she did have to use it, I think, twice. But they were, one thing that they did was they'd always check on her once a month and it would scare the bejeebers out of her because okay. all of a sudden it would go off and she'd be like, oh, who's talking to me? Um, but she got used to it after a while. I, it, it gave me peace of mind. Because, you know, when they did call yep. me, they were able to explain everything as to what was going on. So, I, I mean, I, I see the, the good use in them. I don't like their commercials. Every no. time their commercial comes on TV nowadays and the poor woman's lying there and, you know, with the <laughs> ominous music. I right. just want I, I to hit somebody. Don't do <laughs> that. Don't scare people like that. Right, right. You know, apparently Lifeline has a new, uh, you know, the, the, the newer version of an app that people that... Uh, they call it the circle of care, family and friends, you know, who who are in that circle of care uh, that they can monitor 
the the status of the lifeline system for whoever you know whatever uh, person is wearing it so they can share notes with each other or with the the person they you know you know cuz you know how it is sometimes you got to talk to your, your say your siblings about oh mom is is having this situation and you know keeping information flowing back and forth and then you can also view the status of the device and and if it's offline you know or needs a battery change you can be you can stay on top of that which is i think it's a nice touch um i i don't think it allows monitoring like of hearing things you know like uh, that sort of thing which sound I, yeah I, yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't want mm. that uh, for for you know it seems like you know, there's a there are boundaries we have to maintain yeah i think right i mean there's there's a privacy yeah, yeah like there's there's yes. a line between there's a there's a a, a sliding scale between privacy and their and and safety for them, you know, and and we, it, there's a you got to negotiate that a little bit. What do you think? I agree. Uh, now, one of the the things that uh, one of my clients who had a stroke and is living on her own with her mother here in town, she has installed several of the little uh, Alexa or Google Home speakers around her apartment, and uh, she's very shaky on her feet and has to use a wheelchair to get in, but she has to get in and out of it to go to the bathroom, et cetera. And so she's used these and, and for her, it's a anywhere she is, she can holler, call mom or call so-and-so. And so she had been talking about the, uh, the other device, but she liked this so much better. As long as she's able to speak. That's the as, key. That's correct. As long as she's able to speak. Yeah, if you have a stroke, sometimes you're not able to, to talk. Uh, so, but that, that's something to keep in mind. That's a good, a, a good point. Like you can have, because that's I have that on my uh, on my list of things to talk about. But you can have one of these voice assistants in the home for for mom or dad, and they could use it to play music and you know that sort of stuff. But they can also be a backup communications device for um, calling for help. Or sometimes um, you can drop in if you enable it, where you could say, "Hey, you know, um, Aloysius, drop in on mom," and it will turn on the communication it she doesn't have to answer right. it it's just active and then you know if you're worried about her and, and it's too far to kind of like it, it's you're not so worried that you want to drive over but you just want to check on her this is a hey mom it's it's dumb how are you doing and you know yeah, and, and if she, she doesn't answer then you yeah. try again if she still doesn't answer then you you start working yeah, yeah. that's mm. that's those that's a that's a good use i think for that um Especially if you can get a like a, a video one, like a, like one of the Echo shows or something, um, in the right place. What do you think about like video monitoring, like having you know like an IP camera or other thing in in a person's home, just to kind of keep an eye on them, um, you know, kind of like I'm a little to, edgy on that. Yeah, yeah, I I am I'm too. A, I don't mind using my camera for my dog. Because you know, it's if just she's a dog. sick, yeah. I will I will train it on the dog crate while we're away. But I think about what would I have done with my mom? Now my mom passed away in 2013, um, so she missed all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I would be wary on the camera, but I think she probably would have liked the you know Aloysius because yes. I think it was I think it's something she could have talked to, and I think she would have driven me crazy with it. But I think <laughs> you got to you got to know your person. Yeah, you know, if this person uh, um, doesn't mind the the video, then fine. But if they are, if it's kind of skeevy, you know, they kind of think, "Oh, you're invading my privacy." Then maybe the you know the smart audio devices are the better way to go. Right. Well, and maybe a monitoring uh, or a camera with a show thing in an open area like the kitchen or the living room, mm. not in the bedroom. Right. You know, and right. and so that's that's a lot less invasive if right. they're if mm-hmm. they're mobile. And it's not a camera per se. It's a right. it's a voice assistant that happens to have a screen and a camera on it, and that right. makes it feel a little right. less invasive. Well, mm. and. You were talking about uh, the uh, the assistants not having a way in case somebody uh, fell and couldn't speak. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Apple Watch is. I have a bunch yeah. of my clients that are all getting Apple Watches for themselves and right. their parents because the, and they, they're yeah. bypassing the life alert and going to that. The latest mm-hmm. the latest versions of the Apple Watch have fall detection, which is supposed to be really good. I've heard lots of stories of 
of it, like be even just like, you know, young people who are bike riding and get and, and fall off their bike and having an alert. And and we've mentioned it before, but just to repeat, the way it works is if it detects a fall that's hard enough to to seem like uh, uh, so something that could cause injury, uh, it it pops up an alert and says, are you OK? And if you don't respond, you, you can say no. Uh, or if you don't respond, it will contact emergency services and whoever you've designated as your emergency contact, like a, a spouse or a child or, you know, some somebody like that, a neighbor. Um, and that's really it's a it's comforting for for a lot of people mm -hmm. just to know that it's there, because the worst thing you, you I can imagine is my mom falling somewhere and where she's not noticed and no one knows she's there and she can't call for help. I mean, that that's really that, that would be really kind yeah. of scary. Yeah, that happened. That happened to my mother. She oh, wow. fell and had to drag herself to the phone at like two in the morning. Oh, wow. So would I would I have liked my mother to have a watch? Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, um, because I think the watch and not the lifeline or life alert is not a good system, but it bypasses the middleman. It will make right. those calls all at once. Yes. So, you know, I think right. everybody gets in line right away. And the first one, sometimes when time is of the essence, you kind of need that. Well, and the additional thing with the watch is that if you show them how to do it, they can just push a button and hold it in. It'll do the emergency alert type right. thing, too. And uh, I, one of the early stories was somebody trapped in a car where they couldn't get to their phone. They were upside down, but they could hit the watch. Yep. And and, yep. and it gives the GPS location, too, which is key. Exactly. Uh, so, right. You know, one of the things that uh, that I like speaking of GPS location is so. Uh, I have my mom's iPhone on my family account with my wife and I, and uh, my dad's phone is on my brother's family account. But one of the things I've done is, is because it's on my family account, uh, I, I automatically, I set it up to, well, in fact, it doesn't have to be on my family account now that I think about it. And she can set up so anyone can do find my friends. It's now just yes. called find my, which is a, an incomplete mm. sentence in my words, in my world, but <laughs> <laughs> find my. And so I can see her location and once in a while my uh, one of my brothers will call me and say hey do you know where mom is she's supposed to be at this place and she's not here yet and we're a little worried that she's that she might have got lost or something so i'll uh sure let me check it out pull up the phone look at uh oh she's 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 down the street she must be on her way so uh you know and she wasn't answering her phone or something you know uh she must be on her way so she'll she'll be there soon you know that sort of thing it gives you the peace of mind of knowing at least where the phone is <laughs> Uh, that's, right. uh, you know, if she loses the phone, then that's a whole nother story, which, uh, another level of concern. Um, and in fact, there are Samsung sells a, a, a tracker device. Um, it's a, a GPS based tracker. So it's sort of the same thing, except standalone. Uh, and I got one of those a while ago, uh, as a, as a review unit. Um, it's okay, except the battery runs out really quick. Um, you have, mm. it has to be recharged. Uh, I think every it have to be recharged every day, so she'd have to remember to plug it in. Uh, and I say she because I'm thinking of my mom, but you know, or dad or whatever. But they'd have to plug it in every day, and it has a, a monthly cost to it, like a separate uh, monthly. Mm -hmm. So it's second best, but you know. But on the other hand, if it's something she you could put in her purse, she always have a purse, or some way that she could put it on her keys or, or something like that. If she loses the phone, I don't know. I don't know if that's good, better, or worse. I don't know. But uh, but having a way to kind of look, find their location could be handy, especially if they're starting to get that point where, you know, they might uh, have uh, forget forgetfulness and wander, get mm -hmm. confusion where they wander. And if you have a way to say a cellular uh, Apple Watch on them, I wonder if I wonder, can you do find my with a yes. Apple Watch? You can, yes, you can. Yeah. And several of my clients, even before the watch came out, uh, had iPhones for them and the, for their spouse and themselves and had find my friends on it. And because one of them, he could he could drive. He was fine. But just every once in a while, he'd lose his way. And so that way she knew where he was if right. she had to go get him. And uh, so that that's been very helpful for just making sure they're in the right place. So. When we're talking about phones, what kind of phones do you think are like, would you recommend? I know that there are, I see some of these magazine ads where they have like a special phone just for seniors where it has like giant mm. push buttons and, 
you know, as I suppose if you're if they're not comfortable with with touch screens and that sort of thing, that can be useful. I got my mom and I, my mom an iPhone SE or something like that a while ago and that she's still using. Um, she has some trouble with it. You can make the text on it bigger, which she needed. Uh, and uh, but um, I, I'm constantly having to fix stuff on the phone because she accidentally moves things or deletes things or yeah. uh, uh, she clicks on malware and it installs profiles Ooh. in the phone. That was, that was a, Ooh, that was a rough was afternoon. Yes. <laughs> I had to clean that up. So, I mean, would it be better to just get a, a, a what they call a feature phone, a, a non-smartphone uh, for some folks? Well, I have had a couple of people that have had the jitterbugs and with the big numbers and on mm-hmm. it and stuff like that in a very small address book. There were a couple that liked it. I've had several that say, I don't like this, and they ended up with an iPhone uh, and just uh, just used, you know, took everything off the home screen except a couple things they used mm-hmm. and made the print larger. And But you do have to have somebody that can help them with that. You know, uh, mm-hmm. the iPhone is much simpler, I think, than the Androids uh, in terms of the use of my clients. The The ones who have an Android, it takes longer to show them for them to remember where things are than it is on an iPhone. And I don't know why that is, but it, it does seem to be simpler. Hmm. And uh, so that's my perspective is that I've had mixed reviews on the jitterbugs uh, or those feature phones because they really can't text on them. They're not really meant for that. They're just meant for calling, right? Right. Like right. Being able to and call. And with big numbers so they can, they can see them. And some people are happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the iPhone in the walled garden is probably the best for seniors because there's a lot less fooling around. The Androids, I've found, there's too many options. And with people who don't know what they're doing to begin with, <laughs> that's way too much confusion for folks. Right. So at least the iPhone is a little bit more controlled. And, and standardized. Yes. Yep. And smaller it looks the same. For, Right. And smaller for seniors is not always better. Yeah. Because yeah. they need, I mean, my husband needs the eyesight stuff because at, at his, you know, we're, we're younger on the senior side, but he needs to have all of the, all of the um, text blown up if he no, doesn't right. want to have to go find so his does, glasses. So does mine. Yeah. yeah. So one thing that I've, I've been thinking about doing for my mom is uh, I, I'm a techie sort of guy. So I was thinking, what if I got this Jamf Now service? Now, Jamf Now is a particular uh package from a company called Jamf, J-A-M-F dot com. And it's their their main product is designed for businesses to manage uh, company issued phones. And so the IT department can remotely uh, update and install and put profiles on it and all kinds of stuff, monitor things on company issued phones. And so they they offer a, a package that's designed for, say, families that would be uh, for uh, less expensive. But it lets you, oh, it's really? called mobile device management. And it lets you, it's, I, I looked into it quickly. It seems a bit techy. So it's not, it, it's not. Um, the average person. It's not really, yeah. It, <laughs> I, I mean, if I'd spent some time digging through it, it might've been a little better. And I, I might go back in to take a, take a look at it. Uh, it may not be that bad. And even Apple has um, something like Apple Configurator and the tool and some some tools like that. Uh, but it may be a way to kind of manage, especially if you don't live next, you know, nearby you, this person you're trying to help, uh, to remotely manage their iPhone, their uh, iPad, and I'm sure that there are versions of this for Android as well, of course. Uh, so it's it's that's something to think about if you have if you're if you have a techie bent to you, and if you listen to this show, you probably do. So uh, it's something to think about. Um, and then of course uh, there's. Video calling, that's always fun, uh, especially if you get, you know, want to show the grandkids to grandma and granddad, you know, the they would like to see the kids on FaceTime or Skype or whatever. Um, uh, any particular preferences? Like I, what I've liked to do sometimes is I have a, I, I have a, a camera, a Logitech webcam, and I put it up on my TV and I have an Apple TV connected to it and I... I'd set up FaceTime on my phone or tablet and I airplay it to the TV so that all the kids can kind of stand in front of the TV and 
and grandma and granddad could watch them. I haven't done this in a while, I know, Pat, but <laughs> it's something we can, we can do. <laughs> it's a good it. idea. <laughs> it's a good idea. We used to do this, if you remember. And, yes, I uh, do. And uh, the kids could stand in front of the TV and instead of all crowding around a little phone and everybody can see everybody. And, and uh, so that's that's something I, I think is would be fun to do if you you know airplaying fa- your facetime calls or skype calls to the to the big tv through um an apple tv there's probably other ways to do this with chromecast and in and, and fire tv i'm not i'm not familiar with those but uh, and if you've got an ipad mm-hmm. you can set it on the table and everybody can be you know behind the table and see pretty well right is it's much better than just the phone in terms of being able to to get to people yes exactly and I know I've spoken about it on this on this podcast before about GrandPad, which yeah. is oh that, yes you did, which is from Communi- uh, Consumer Cellular. It's for people who really aren't techie or want to keep themselves. It looks like an even more walled garden. Um, I, I think it's good for seniors who have very little, you know, technology ability, but they can still see their grandkids and they can stay within a closed environment. Is it using FaceTime or is it using Skype? Uh, I'm, I, I've looked at it and it almost looks like it's, it's an app that's on the phone of the family or on the iPads of of the, you know, the devices of the family, but the senior has a a fixed dedicated machine tablet that can only do, I think, email, um, the audio video and probably limited web browsing. That's what it looks like. And it's all through consumer cellular. It looks like it's a it's it's a proprietary video chat. Like it's okay. built in. So they've got their own app. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. right. But it, it keeps the senior from going, you know, calling anybody or, you know, going outside the wall. Between Skype and FaceTime, I found that uh, it's much easier for my clients that have FaceTime oh, yeah. than it is for Skype. Yeah. But in any case, on all of them, I always suggest that both sides reboot their the device before they get on and try. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's usually the first thing that happens is one of the devices can't hear or talk or something. Mm. Yeah. But um, we don't know anything about that here on SQPN where all of our podcasts are. <laughs> no, over we Skype. don't. <laughs> <laughs> We're no, constantly we don't. restarting our, our calls. Uh, that That's a good, that's a good point. Um, yeah. I was going to, I had some other thought, but I'll, I want to move on to talk about um, home security systems for folks. Uh, the, I found a, a pretty good article from Senior Living Magazine that talks about the things you want to think about. And I'll link to it in the show notes uh, about, uh, you know, if you're going to get a security system for a senior. Um, and some of the things to think about are do you get self-installed or professional installed. You know, one's cheaper, one is more likely to work right out of the box and be easier to set up, frankly, if you have a professional do it. Um, you can also get monitored or unmonitored. Monitored means as a professional call center that that receives any alerts and and can uh, respond and call, you know, 911 or call a contact number or that sort of thing. If it's unmonitored, you, you're basically monitoring yourself or, you know, Either the, the the remote relative or the the pe- person with the system themselves. Um, so you, their monitor is of course more expensive. Unmonitored is, uh, you know, a little more, you know, less less of a safety net. There's not someone necessarily there twenty four seven to to answer. Um, and then you have to think about things like uh, connectivity. How does the system connect? Based there are three basic ways: Wi Fi over your router. Do they have a, a Wi-Fi? Does this person have Wi-Fi in their home? Um, over cellular, which is expensive, but not dependent on any other system except for the cellular system. Or a landline, which seniors are probably more likely to still have uh, than younger folks, I guess. Uh, but that's the, that's the most basic and rely, you know, standard reliable one these days, unless... You know, God forbid, a criminal cuts the phone lines. But you know, if they're gonna cut the phone lines, they'll cut the power too. I mean, that's that. At some point, you gotta, you know, think of the likelihood of things. Uh, then you gotta think about things like how many sensors, or what kinds of sensors, window and door sensors, obviously. How many windows do you have? How many doors? Uh, they have low temperature set te- uh, sensors in case the temperature drops too low in the house, which is maybe a good idea if you if they especially if they live in a cold weather environment like you know the New England or. Um, the upper Midwest, where if they if it gets too cold in the house, then they, it, it endangers their life. 
uh, smoke and fire detectors or heat, you know, and smoke. Um, and then uh, flooding detectors is another good one um, in case you have overflowing tubs or a broken pipe or that sort of thing, which they, you know, especially if they have a basement that they don't go into a lot, you know, they, a lot of damage can get caused if they don't notice it uh, in time. Uh, so, uh, and then some security systems can have inside cameras. We talked about that. Outside cameras. Some can have a video doorbell, which could be a, a video doorbell. Kind of stop on that one. I think might be a good idea if they have the ability to, if they get comfortable with it. And this is a key to all this technology is helping them to become mm. comfortable with it. And if they are comfortable with it, like a ring doorbell or something, to be able to answer the door when someone comes to the door without opening it, because that is safer. I, I yeah, do that right. myself. Right. Um, so me too. Yeah. So you have ring, you have the Google, uh, uh, doorbell, uh, the, the nest doorbell. Um, how quickly does the nest doorbell answer Pat? Is it, is it a quick answer? Well, it's, it's always on and it it uses your doorbell uh -huh. and, and, uh, so yeah, it's, it's a, I, I found it to be fairly, fairly good that right. way. I don't typically answer it Right. Uh, you know, I'm not home during the day to answer it usually. Right. But, uh, you know, it's a continuous recording. So if you've got any questions or problems, I can tap into at any point from wherever I am and see who's there. And, and, and mm -hmm. I could answer to them. I just I am an introvert. I just don't tend to talk <laughs> to them. I just let them go away. <laughs> uh, I have managed to get rid of a few uh, political canvassers that way, I hate to say. Uh, but uh but I found with the ring, at least the ring I have, if you have if, it's, if you have a wired ring, you know, it's it's literally mm -hmm. wired into the power system. I, I, I understand it's a lot faster, but mine is a battery powered one. And it's just it's not Lag. very it's yeah, the, the, it's it's not fast at picking up. Sometimes, you know, I say, oh, you know, oh. answer the answer. the. I, I tell it to the echo here, the echo show, you know, uh, echo answer the doorbell or, you know, who's at the door, whatever the, the word is, I want to say. and it will take time. It's like, oh, contact, connecting to the ring, connecting to the ring. And meanwhile, they're standing out there, and I'm like sitting here, and and finally it comes up. But it sometimes it it takes a bit, and and I I I would I wish it were a little quicker. So I wonder if the the Google one would be a little faster than that. But uh, well, mine's on Wi-Fi also, so yeah. you know I can't really speak for the difference there. I have the wired ring one. Uh huh. Is it any faster? And it's pretty fast. Oh, it's, good. It's pretty instantaneous. The only thing about that I find with the ring video doorbell is you really have to make sure you have your field of vision yeah. or your motion field in a good place because I get, I have a, a flag that stands over my front door. Right. And if, if, you know, yeah, if, if the wind is just right, I've had to learn how to really narrow that field down. So we don't get the, um, shadow of the flag on about nine o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden <laughs> all i'm getting is ding 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 all the time ring has a new feature in the app for that where you can turn on person detection for the doorbell ah okay so you might want to just come out this week was uh, that part of the stuff that came out this week no it, uh, but it was in recent weeks like, okay. like within the last month maybe uh but okay. yeah per, it that has cut down on false rings for me a lot uh, because mine faces a street, and every time a car would drive mm -hmm. by, it would ring. But uh, this is yeah. Nest does have the person detection or yeah. package detection too. Oh, it, it okay. can say package delivered Ooh. or package picked up. Wow, that's good. Or person at the door, or uh, then you can turn on and off the sound and motion detection. Oh wow! Other than that, too, that sounds okay. better than the ring, frankly. Yeah, actually, yeah. But it, does it have cat? Does it have cat detection? We have, we have I don't think cats. a cat would register as a person. Oh. I think it would it <laughs> yeah. would just show motion. Well, yeah, and if you you can turn the the uh, notification for no motion on or off, it's always detecting it. But you can at that point mm -hmm. say, you know, don't don't tell me about those. I have you can uh, look back and see what was happening. But I have the ring cameras for like the cover of the, the 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 driveway in the backyard. And they're constantly going off as squirrels run back yeah. and forth. And mm -hmm. well, you, without, you want Randy to come up and get those squirrels? <laughs> yes. Ooh. My father-in-law is a no, noted great uh, squirrel hunter of Texas. 
<laughs> <laughs> well, that and the skunk that I see running around in the middle of the night. That's uh, actually, nice. it's kind of fun to see the wildlife, you know, uh, has been recorded. I have it on do not disturb at night, so it doesn't ring and wake me up. But uh, it's fun to go mm. back and review the videos with the kids and see the all the animals that live in our neighborhood. So back off the tangent. Uh, so how about for uh, entertainment, for reading? What do you what do you uh, suggest? Do Kindles have a large print? Uh, ver- like can you, you can you can pretty much expand. you can enlarge that type real big. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was thinking. Uh, I sometimes do that unintentionally, but uh, yeah, that yeah, a Kindle might be if they like to read books. That might be a nice way, and then you can help them. Or you can buy them books, and you know for right. for them if they have if they're not comfortable going on Amazon and buying them for themselves, you could you know, remotely load books to their Kindle and that sort of thing. So there's, there's that. And that's, that's less expensive than a, a tablet, other tablets. That's right. So that would, that would be a help. But if, you know, if you've already had another tablet, then yes, the Kindle app and all of the apps can, there are lar- you can enlarge those huge. Yeah. How about for, uh, like for TV, uh, you know, cause I mean, frankly, I find a lot you know, the seven or eight remotes I have confusing sometimes. Um, are there, are there good all in one remotes controls that you'd recommend that you think would be good for folks who are older and not comfortable with technology? The Harmony Hub. Yeah, we, we have the older Harmony and it was really good when we first set it up. Now it's about four years old, I think, or something. So, uh, any new devices are not necessarily noticed or you know, uh, connectable through it. Mm-hmm. But uh, all of our devices are pretty old, too. But yeah, the Harmony has been real good. But these days, if people are going away f- and cable- cutting the cord, then the Harmony almost becomes obsolete because you've got your Apple TV controller or you've got your uh, Roku controller. And that, those are pretty simple devices for, for my older folks to use. Right. And TV has just way too many options. You know, the, the cable box and the satellite box and all that. They're much more confused by that than they are a Roku or an Apple TV controller. I still find the Harmony useful, though, because if you have most people would have maybe an Apple TV or a Roku, but they'd also have their DVD player. So if you can put everything That's true. through one, if you can put th- everything through one hub, plus if you get somebody who knows what they're doing, um, Aloysius will also control it. So I walk into a room oh. and say, you know, Aloysius, turn on the television. Bang. It goes on. Everything goes. Right. Good. I haven't seen that version of the Harmony. That that's Ours is about the end of its livelihood, so we may have to replace it. I have two of them. I have one downstairs and one upstairs. And it can be a little confusing if you have two. You just got to remember how to name them. But, <laughs> right. Um, can, that's yeah, the Harmony do. Hub? Yes. yes. It's I'll the, have a link okay. in the show notes Great. for that, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you make a good point, Pat, about the, the, the Apple TV or the Roku or the Chromecast as an alternative to cable box or or satellite box for for TV um it it because you can kind of package things together they might you know you, you get them uh, Apple TV and a Hulu subscription or something like that and you just show them you, you and you show them once how to get to it and they're they're in there and they can you know access right. the stuff i don't know if that i hate i, I, I kind of wonder at this point would that are people more likely to still like even older folks now cable's been around for 40 years i mean it's it may it may it may not be that far advanced for for our seniors to you know it's confusing i don't know what do you think well i have a lot of people that when i come over uh can you help me i i got it off of the dvd player and i can't get it back on right. or you know and they've got four or five remotes and they don't know what yeah. to do with them okay or yeah so i i find that again the people that I have that have cut the cord and just have one of those devices of the two Roku and and the Apple TV are much easier to use than the Chromecast. Okay, interesting. So, all right, yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, that's a good point. The the it's the remotes that really is the and the the confusion of the all the the interconnected things and yes, and the TV that's got its different inputs. If it's got one input that it uses. Then that's the, you don't have to worry about that if it's got the one thing. Um, but if they but wanted, that would assume they're streaming and not doing DVD. Right. What do you think about the usefulness of things like smart lights or smart home lights, like the Philips Hue and that sort of thing, for older folks, especially if you get, uh, say, 
the 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 Lutron cassettes, which is not the bulbs, but you replace the the uh, the light switches themselves, so they can still turn them on and off manually. But then you can also put in things like motion detectors, and you can set up automations to turn things on and off uh, on a schedule. What do you think of that as a, a utility for for older folks? Do you think that would be at all helpful? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that if the lights would confuse them. I would rather put one of those smart plugs in and allow them to say to a device, you know, turn on the light right. or turn right. off the light. I think that might be more useful. I might be wrong, but um, I, I, I know what all those smart lights can do, and I've chosen not to even bother <laughs> because okay. I, I still want to have some control over my lighting system. Right. I have one client that got some of the smart lights, and it was a novelty for him. And then he basically stopped using them. Okay. Okay. Um, interesting. So, yeah, if, if anyone out there has found a use for them, I'd be curious to hear, you know, what, what the use was for you and how it worked um, for, for, you, for your, you or your senior that in your life. That's what we're really wondering about. Um, I have smart lights, all, smart lights all over my house. So um, we've, it's become part of my life and my wife has uh, uh, surrendered to the inevitability of the smart home. Right. <laughs> now, back to the entertainment thing you were yes. talking about, entertainment. Uh, these smart assistants from a lot of my clients have become a real big part of entertainment for them to be able to play music with oh, them, yeah. to be able to ask mm. the time, the weather, all sorts of things. Even people that I did not think were very techie. I have a sister-in-law that basically up until recently, you know, did not have a smartphone. But uh, after my, my brother passed, she took over the household and now she mentioned the other day oh yes Alexa and I have wonderful conversations and <laughs> you know and I asked her to play this music and that and it, she was the last person I would have expected interesting to oh, wow. to uh, really enjoy the the feeling that somebody else is listening and is there now the last person I expect to enjoy uh, having an Amazon Echo would be my father-in-law Randy. That's the last person. <laughs> exactly. Well, he will talk to the thermostat when he walks by, and I can see what he said to it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, not something that I speak to because if I speak out loud, it confuses him because of his hearing issues. Oh, right. So I don't do it unless he's out of the house. And then I do have a couple of smart devices that I'll play with. Yep. But I can't use them because it affects his hearing. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I had hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I, like the idea of having uh, an Alexa or uh, make sure uh, she's off. <laughs> I, I misspoke. I was waiting for it to to to, to fire off and start uh, talking to me here in in the yes. office. Aloysius, I'm yeah. sorry, I like that better. Better. Well, yeah, yeah. It, 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 Aloysius comes from a uh, a Senate Live skit where they had uh, Echo yeah, for seniors. Was it was oh, it was very funny. And yeah, but uh, anyway. Um, the, the usefulness of it for the music and if they if you can if they can get comfortable talking to the to the the lady in the box uh then they they can be really helpful for them because you know my kids you know are are so comfortable talking to it where they'll ask for it to play music they'll ask it questions they'll ask it trivia um ask it to look up things for them so it it actually really it, it can become very helpful and you can even have it uh if you have the one with the screen, you can have it look up recipes, play videos, that sort of stuff. So very, yeah, it's an interesting idea, especially if they live alone. It can be nice to have even a machine that talks back to you a little bit. Well, the first one I had was about four years ago. Somebody got her, her mom one. And she, at first she said, I don't think I'm going to like it. And the next time I came over, she was telling me how much she enjoyed it. Excellent. And, and because it's, again, that kind of like having a dog around it's just something else in the house that you know is there and you feel like you're not alone right excellent so that's a lot of uh, great conversation a lot of great ta uh, uh, information for folks uh, if if you the listener have any additional insight if you've done this for seniors in your life or if you have additional questions, things that have come up, we'd love to hear from you. You can always contact us. You can send an email to technology at sqpn.com. Uh, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. And we'd love to hear from uh, listeners on, who have topic suggestions. We, we Many of our topics have come from listener suggestion, listener questions. And so we're happy to, to accommodate those and include those as we can. So uh, let us know what you think of this topic or if you have any others. 
So let's move on to our second uh, topic today. And this one, it, it kind of interesting. I encountered this. Um, my Here's one of my uh, guilty confessions. I read Ask Amy, the, uh, the advice column in the paper every day. It's it's a thing. I don't know. I, I'm so often simultaneously horrified and amused <laughs> by by the both the questions and the advice. But, you know, it's a little bit of slice of life uh, in America today. But this particular one is a tech question. And I thought I'd bring it bring it to you all, especially to you, Joanne, who are uh, very much a genealogy expert. And so this concerns genealogy. So we'll give it a shot. The uh, so here's the question that came in, and this was the the reader asked. A relative contacted me on an ancestry site after learning that we were cousins, most likely first cousins once removed. We had no knowledge of each other and ex- excitedly exchanged information about ourselves and our families. Eventually, though, she wanted specific names of male relatives who presumably might be her birth father. She was not. A, she was not adopted and was raised by two parents, presumably. The father who raised her didn't know he was not her biological father. At that point, I felt I explained that I did not feel comfortable giving names and asked if she could speak with her mother about this, however uncomfortable that might be. I truly felt I'd gone as far as I could, ethically speaking. My cousins, one of whom might be her biological father, are married, and I had their lives to consider in this genetic search process. After declining to provide names of family members, I never heard from her again, which grieves me. Now I'm left wondering, in this age of DNA discoveries, what are our obligations to family members, whether they be known or hidden? What is ethical here? And so that's that's her question. And presumably there was a DNA swab, one of those, you know, DNA and me, you know, 23andMe mm-hmm. things or something involved here. That's usually what's what's involved. And beyond the DNA question, just there's like I've experienced a little bit of this myself where not the same degree, but where I have a, a family tree up on ancestry.com. I got contacted by somebody who thought she was related to my mom and wanted to contact her. And you felt a little weird. Well, the charitably, I would say she was uh, excited and an extrovert. Uh, if I wanted to be a little less charitable, I'd say she was very pushy. <laughs> and my right. mom Ooh. being a senior was a little wary and was w- happy to you know send a message to her. But this woman said, oh, I'm coming to Boston. I want to get together and meet and all this other stuff. And my mother was like, uh, like, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with all that and didn't want to talk to her. And and I was kind of stuck in the middle relaying messages and trying to figure out what what the best way to deal with it. But in general, what do you think as as these connections are going to, especially with DNA, start coming more and more? What are our obligations if we're putting this information out there? With for people who are who have not asked to be exposed to you know their DNA exposed on the internet, what do you think, uh, Joanne? I'll start with you. Yeah, um, this is tricky because those of us in genealogy get really excited when we find living people because we're dealing with <laughs> dead people for so long. <laughs> if we actually find living people, then yes, we want to speak with them. I've been contacted by a number of people who are in my tree remotely, and I have contacted people. Some people don't want to talk. Some people do. I'm cautious when I talk to folks, and I have tried to get together with a few, but my work schedule hasn't allowed me to yet. But I stay in contact with them. Um, By the way, the, the first cousin once removed, if you don't know what it means, it means that your parents are first cousins with their parents. Right. That's how the once removed goes. Okay. <laughs> so you know you. at least you, you know at least it's a close rel- a closer relative than a third or fifth cousin when you have to try to figure out which great grandparents where do you come from. Right. Um I think when you take these DNA tests, you have to know that you're opening yourself up for this type of communication. And you have to decide how you're going to deal with it. I think a lot of people went into it just to find their ethnicity and then that's it. They don't understand that there's a second part to it. They want to find out how a percentage English or Portuguese or French or, and then that's it. There's a whole other realm. People are finding half sisters, half brothers, their real parents, mm. uh, and it can get really sticky. 
Yeah. So my rule of thumb ethically has been, you can ask me any questions about my immediate family because they're dead. I'm the keeper of that information. If I choose to share it with you and I have some of it out there, I will share it with you. But I also have my cousin's DNA out there. I answer no questions on hers because she has dementia and I can't ask her, is it okay? Right. I have it out there only because I'm researching her own family. So you got to be really careful when people come a call and, and they're going to because if they're serious, if they're serious, they're going to respect you. Right. If they're not and they're looking like that the person in this column was definitely looking for the biological father, you've got to be careful. If that man does not know he's a biological father, right. now you're about ready to upset a lot of lives. Right. And I don't think a lot of people really think that through. They're just thinking, oh, me, what's my heritage? You got to remember there's a whole bunch of other people in the DNA pool with you. <laughs> right. And that, yeah, because you're only yeah. getting so much DNA. I mean, you get half from your parents, a quarter from your grandparents. So there's a lot of other people in that pool with you. Yep. Some of them know they're there and some don't. We, I have a situation that I know personally uh, that they found a half-sister and the father did not know that he had a child. Mm. He had been dating this person when he was in the service, and she never told him. He got married, had a bunch of kids later on, and then he died. So the problem is, is that people mm -hmm. say, uh-oh, mom doesn't know. Should we tell her? And oh, they decided right. no. Yeah. They would oh. not tell her because even though it was before they got married, they didn't feel like it was right to upset her with the thought that he had been with another woman 60 years before. Right. Or whatever it was, it was a, quite a long time ago, and yet the the cousins or the the half half brother and half sister were so glad to get to meet each other, but they just did not inform mom. Interesting, yeah. and I think that's okay. You I know, think, I, yeah, I, I really think that do. worked because you know the, the the adage "the truth will set you free" can sometimes bind up other people, right? And you really don't want to do that. You don't. I mean, I, ha I, I know the way my family, I've got, I know the skeletons, a lot of them in my family tree's closet, and I have to expect some things to come out <laughs> popping at some point. Right. Um, but I'm ready for it, you know, and if they don't, okay, fine. But I kind of think there's going to be some popping, but other people don't expect that. I mean, anybody who watches Long Lost Family, right. um, you know, gets the idea that there are people looking. And I think the more, and I think it's good that these records are being opened up for people, but there has to be some sort of ethical or moral decision-making here. You can find out, good, John Smith is your real biological father. Do you really want to tell Mrs. Smith about that? That could be very cruel. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it can be. It can be more than just, you know, uh, the mom or you know dad has a long lost daughter uh, usually it's not mom who has the long lost child that's usually to keep track of but you know well, they, adoption that yeah. i do know one that that, oh, right. that was the case that could be that's true right but there's also like uh, as jimmy aiken and i discussed on uh, the other podcast we do jimmy aiken's mysterious world the case of the golden state killer uh, in california mm -hmm. was broken after 30 years by the this very same sort of DNA testings, people who were related to him mm -hmm. had been doing like twenty three and Me or some other sort of you know ethnic DNA testing, and they compared the DNA they had to the DNA in the system and found close relatives and were able to use that to uh, pinpoint. And you know, I think that's a good thing. I, I'm all for that. Oh, yeah, but you have to be aware oh, that, that this sort of family. <laughs> You know, uh, can come out. Yeah, it can, <laughs> right. you might be caught. You could be contacted by law enforcement uh, looking for a relative mm -hmm. of yours. So it's interesting. And and you know, I mean, there's a lot of sleuthing that goes into that. It's not just all of a sudden, Bing, right. your DNA comes up on the roulette wheel. Yeah, it. There's a lot of sleuthing that goes into that. But they used a um, they use a site called GEDmatch. Right. And in GEDmatch now, you have to opt in to that. 
if you want your DNA to be used in that manner. I've opted in. I have not opted in my cousin. Right. Again, because I can't ask her that question, do you mind them doing that? Yeah. But I've opted in. But I think I'm getting out of GEDmatch anyway because they sold it. They finally sold it to a bigger company, and I don't know what they're going to do with it. So I might just pull the DNA out. Interesting. And you can do that. Yeah. You're in control of your DNA, where it goes, you know, what company you use, who you talk to about it, where you put it. If you put it out there, you've got to know it's going to go. And if you don't want it out there. Is that protected by law or by a company policy? I did my DNA through Family Tree DNA. And uh -huh. I chose them because they, at the time and still, are not, they're very closed as yeah. far as who they allow the DNA. They don't really allow anybody else to get at it. Ancestry, 23andMe, when I was looking at them, they were a little bit more loose with their, with, you know, we could use these results for these things. No, I don't want you using it for that. Right. I that's policy, want... not law. Right. Yeah, it, right. There is no law yet. It would be interesting. So you have to yeah. know the company. That may be something that needs to happen at some point is, uh, is a genetic mm -hmm. privacy law to protect yep. uh, people in general in, in many different ways, in both in, in health and in medical insurance and medical factor, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. Uh, very interesting. Uh, that might be an area we need to uh, cover more closely in the future. So that's very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and, and so thank you for your expertise, both of you, and your experience. I think... I think that that helps. I don't think people should be scared away from DNA testing necessarily, but you should go into it with no. your eyes wide open and prepared for such things, uh, knowing that. So uh, you never know. You never know. You never know. So uh, I think we should move on to our picks of the week. And uh, so Pat, uh, I'll let you go first. What is your pick of the week this week? Well, it's pretty low tech for a high tech item, but it's uh, a piece of glass that they call tempered glass that you insert over your regular iPhone or uh, Samsung or whatever you have. And if something happens, then it gets the first hit or scratch and protects your device underneath it. And uh, I have had one that did shatter and I got a replacement for it and it protected my phone. And uh, so I got a replacement for it. And now after a year and a half, that replacement now has a slight scratch when you look at it, you think it's it's broken, and it's not. It's just a scratch, but it's protected my phone again. And so they're pretty inexpensive. I am um, a, uh, a little bit hesitant to spend my time putting one on only to have it shatter in my hands. So I typically take it to uh, a place like Best Buy or uh, you mentioned Zag earlier uh, that they can install it for me, and if they choose to have somebody inexperienced and it shatters, I'm not out the cost of another screen. Right. They're more but it, is, it has really helped me. And it's, yeah. I choose the clear one. I don't get the non-glare right. because I want to be able to see much better than the glare ones have. The glare will dim the screen. It'll make it yeah. less bright. And make it a little, little bit. more a pattern. And I don't like that. Yeah. So the tempered glass, it's the, the, the idea is, is because it's tempered glass, it won't shatter uh, and it's harder. So it, 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 it's you know, it's not that you can throw your phone down to the pavement, but it's just one more level of protection. And it's and it's better than the plastic because the plastic is not it's plastic is really like you know, key scratch protection. It's not really impact protection. Um, Correct. And like yeah. you mentioned, mm -hmm. all the best ones like uh, the, the name brand ones like from Zag and others will have even have um, warranties. So if your phone, if your screen gets broken while their protector has is on it and been applied correctly, they'll replace the they'll pay for the cost of replacement of the glass of your you know the display on your phone, which I think is great. And just coincidentally, Pat, I I was I was telling you before <laughs> I was replacing the glass on mine today. I picked up one on Amazon at at, at Trianium was the brand name. I I didn't I I just picked the one that had some good reviews. I it wasn't particularly uh, discerning in it, but it comes with three. Uh, glass pieces in it and it comes with a kit and an alignment tool and i had to take it i had to take it off after the first application because of course there's always that one little piece of dust but uh, uh here's a little mm -hmm. tip i took my flashlight and shined it sideways across the screen 
so I could see mm. any little bit of dust. So I, it comes with little stickers to pull up any dust. And after the, the second time, it was fine. Uh, but that's a good pick. Yeah. And for those of you who want somebody else to do it, if you can find a Zag kiosk, the one yep. good thing about Zag is that when you buy their protector, if you go back to them with it and it's cracked, the replacement is like eight dollars. Oh, wow. so you don't have to buy another protector. They'll warranty. They warranty the protector for the life of of the phone that Excellent. you have, as long as you have that phone. So that's not a bad idea if you if you have a kiosk near you. And as I say, Best Buy does do a an application of the ones you buy through them. There is a charge for it, but yeah. but I am more than willing to pay that charge. Excellent. Yep. Uh, all right, so, uh, Joanne, what's your pick this week? I'm going to go back to episode 20 and pick the same thing again, the Apple Watch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Series 5. Um, I'm, I'm a big cellular person, though. It's not that, you know, I, especially for seniors. Um, sometimes if you don't have your phone and you're out of range of your phone, if you have the cellular Apple watch, it will continue to do everything and accept calls and the GPS. And I think it, I, I'm a big promoter of the Apple watch because of that, because of the fall protection, especially I'm going to be replacing mine shortly. I have a series three. Yeah. I'm going to go up to the five. Um, Basically, because I'm getting old, and if I fall, I want some. I wanted to be able to call people, but you know, for for those who want to compare and contrast to like Lifeline, do that. Take a look at how much the watch costs with this with the cellular and the Lifeline. You know, do the comparison. Have your kids do the comparison. You might find the Apple Watch in the long run is your best better buy. Right. Really. For better mm. protection. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. A good point. Yep, so I'm going out after the Apple Watch again. <laughs> so uh, th thank you for that. Um, my pick this week is uh, an iOS game. Uh, I haven't picked an iOS app in a while, and so I'm, I'm going to this one. It's an update, a newer version, uh, but enough of an update for it to be to be to get a, a new name, uh, called Spell Tower Plus by uh, by the the guy who developed his name, Zach Gage. He's done a bunch of fun. Uh, little game apps, well designed, nice, nicely designed apps that are, are game apps for for iPhone and iPad. This one, it's a, it's a word game, so it's sort of like a word search, like kids get, you know, and you could have to find the words in the the jumbled letters. But it takes it to another level. Um, there's a, there's several variations. One is where uh, you have a a letter in the middle and all the letters around it, and you have to make a word, one word, the best word possible that incorporates that center letter using as many of the other letters as possible. Um, they have, he has another one called the tower where you have a, a whole stack of letters on the screen. And as you complete words, it drops down and uh, you uh, over time, um, you, you know, as you run out of letters, it gets harder and harder and you can't repeat the words. You can only use a word mm -hmm. once at a time. And it gives you different point values and some letters like X or Z or Q will clear a whole line at once if you use it and that sort of thing. And then uh, there's another one called Puzzle, which um, every time you uh, take a turn, it increments the 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 uh, tower up, so it adds a row at the bottom, and you have to kind of uh, keep keep the the uh, columns from reaching the top, or you lose the game. And so there's a very a variation that's infinitely playable you know it's got a, it's got you know great replayability uh my wife has been playing the previous one for years now since it first came out she she loves that um and it's a lot of fun so you there's this version there's also one that's timed so you have to it's it's speed some people don't like that they don't like the pressure <laughs> they want to relax they don't want stress uh so they have you know ones that aren't that like that and it works just as well on your uh, ipad as it does on your iphone so uh really great game uh, I should probably mention the cost of it. It's uh, it was cheap. It was I think it was five dollars, which is a, a a nice value for a a good game that you will play for a long time. Uh, and I do want to give an update on a previous pick. I picked the uh, Molecule air filter a couple weeks ago, and uh, I I had gotten those for review units. And I have the the big Molecule Air, which is a the the big like large like almost for my house, whole house unit that can can do the air for that. But they also they also sent me the Air Mini, which is a smaller uh 
tabletop unit that you can move from room to room. Uh, that's good for like a office or a bedroom and that sort of thing. Uh, but when it first came out, it was only uh, the the molecule air you can control with an app, but uh, the mini you could not uh, until now. They've updated their app and now you can connect it to the mini and remote control it from your phone. And it will also give you alerts when the filters need to be changed and that sort of thing. So um, really nice little feature. I mean, there's not a whole lot of controls. That's pretty much it, but uh, a little, nice little update there. So. I think that about does it. Um, anything else you guys are, uh, uh, anything left to, to talk about here? I don't think. Uh, I think we're finished. All right. So, I think we're good. All right. So let's uh, take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create secrets of technology, including this time, Marshall B., Laura H., Dave D., Catherine O., and Rhea B. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give. Make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by going to sqpn.com/give. So, if you, uh, what did you think of our discussion? If you have any feedback at all, you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com/technology or the SQPN Facebook page at facebook.com/starquestmedia, or send us an email to technology at sqpn.com. And, of course, I'll have links to everything we discussed and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. If you can, we have a, a, a big favor to ask if you can do so. If you could write a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from, uh, if you could write a review for the podcast, we greatly appreciate that. And if you could share the podcast with friends, especially ones like this, where someone may really benefit from the information we've shared about helping seniors uh, with technology. Uh, that would we'd greatly appreciate that. Not only does it help the show, but it might help somebody else as well. We really appreciate it. Until next time, Joanne Mercier, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Dom. And Pascott, thank you as well. Thanks for having me. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>